Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse, and it's a great pleasure and an honor after 11 years to bring back one of my favorite people doing one of my favorite works in the world. George Swanson has written the book Breathing Walls, A Biological Approach to Healthy Building, Envelope Design and Construction. We did an interview with him 11 years ago. It was mind-blowing in audio. And I've asked him to come back to its rainmaking time to share with us the developments, the advancements in the building space and the building material space. He is part of Breathing uh, Biological Building Science, and this promotes wellness and health. The interview that was done in audio 11 years ago was so astounding, was so shocking, was so revolutionary and transformational. That's why it was one of my favorite shows. What you're going to find out, for most of you that have not heard that interview, you really should hear that interview with George Swanson. You're going to find out that most of the buildings that we're in, most of the materials made from these buildings in the last 75 to 85 years are so toxic. We don't know it because we don't see it in the way we don't see electromagnetic energy and what it produces to human biology. And I'm just absolutely delighted to welcome back George Swanson to its rainmaking time to give us the update on what's happening in the building material space. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome George Swanson to its rainmaking time. And thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yes, a lot has happened in the 11 years. And a real brief catch-up is really its last three years that have kind of seen the whole field of building biology gained much, much more respect in North America, primarily because of COVID and the realization that, you know, a full 93% of the deaths recorded for COVID weren't COVID. They were weakened respiratory and immune systems. And we're all kind of realizing that, you know, we haven't been trained well in identifying those things that do weaken us. And a lot of it is invisible, and a lot of it's residing right in our private homes. A huge amount, in fact, and probably more in North America than any other spot in the world where these materials are highly regulated throughout Europe and now throughout Asia. I've had the great privilege in the last 11 years to spend several of those years in China that's adopting all of this top to bottom on a PhD level just like Germany adapted all of this and made it mandatory over 50 years ago for every architect and engineer of any sort to have at least two years training in building biology. That is the science of how our bodies react to materials, what the resultant actually is. And of course, in America, we resist that. <laughs> petroleum companies actually tell our universities what they can and can't teach because this, everyone knows uh, architect in Germany or Switzerland or Norway or Sweden or any northern European and half of all the European countries can be sued if somebody gets sick in their buildings. In America... Now, I don't think everybody knows that, George. Hold on a second here. I don't think everybody knows that at all. In fact, I think most people don't know it. Okay. Yeah, so we can go into that a little bit <laughs> of how I got extremely yeah, interested in 
you know, how and why in our culture, none of this is talked about, you know, how we really have a media blank out on the whole thing. It often relates to everything related to mold. Of course, it's all materials that, you know, trap moisture and emit poison while they're conducting EMS because they're damp their entire lifespan. And that comes down to how we bond all our materials. Things like plywood, seven layers of non-breathing glues. And then we wonder why we're trapping moisture behind the wall. And of course, we all know that becomes food for mold. So, you know, and a lot of this has come out because mold awareness has gone way, way up. Mold illness is now, you know, much more highly recognized, not by the American Medical Association, but by thousands of people whose lives have been affected adversely by it. And the awareness that a lot of young people are being born with extreme chemical sensitivity, the highest level being in autism and Parkinson's, where there is no choice. Those people simply have to get out of any building packed with petroleum-based products. In a full 85%. Wait, I want to I want to hold you one second. I'm sorry. Hold sure. on one second. I just want to stop one second because I can't see you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that George and I had a lot of technical issues getting him uh, to be seen on Zoom and uh, getting the logistics of this, which is why you're seeing me and not George. So this is not how we I planned the interview at all. So George can't see my cues and he can't see me right now. So that's how this is being conducted, which is not how I normally do things here. So George, don't mind if I cut in and I may have to cut in during times because we don't we don't have the the visual cues. Um, So I I just want to go back to one thing there. There is there are a lot of politics in every field, every field. And, you know, buildings are not excluded from that. And the material space is not excluded from that. And so there's often also a divide between a traditional materials space and, you know, and the people who buy it, make it, et cetera, and the people that are in your field. Because it's kind of like bringing in acupuncture, right, or yeah. geomancy, uh-huh. geomancy to the to the land stewardship, and acupuncture to the biological system. So, building biology to me, I want to contextualize this for the for the listeners. Uh, the building biology is as different as as the. Uh, allopathic biology is to Eastern bio, the way Eastern medicine treats biology with an acupuncture and meridian system, et cetera, except it's not that per se. It's extremely scientific, very, very biological. And all of this is provable with the materials. And so when I've talked to George in our pre-conversations to prepare for this and the earlier show 11 years ago, it was astounding to me that and exciting to me how building materials can be great for the human biological system and can last thousands of years. And yet the U.S. building material space, which is sold at the traditional stores, 
are set up in such a way or made in such a way to decay. I was wondering before you get into the other part you were getting into, if you could tell the listeners how wood changed in the last 75 to 85 years. As an example, a concrete example, you think wood is wood, but wood is not just wood. Explain it. Sure. Yeah. It's, what happened to wood? Yeah, it's been forced grown for well over 80 years now. Meaning we don't even have the choice of getting wood that's been brought to natural maturity, which can take 40, 50 years, typically 10 to 15 year growth cycle leaves out some incredibly vital materials out of the wood. Now, every carpenter knows what's happened on the strength level. It's nothing like hardwood. I don't know about that. Oh, hardwood. <laughs> I don't know about okay. that either. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty... Most carpenters don't probably care. don't. Wood is wood to yeah, them, maybe. Yeah, what? because they, right, they weren't around 85 years ago, or maybe they haven't had experience taking apart an old you know, 1930s building that had this wonderful old growth lumber that was just superior in every way imaginable, straighter, stronger, but even more important were the minerals that develop over 50 years. The primary ones <clears throat> that are most important in building biology are the ones related to the conversion of moisture to vapor. And we were able to identify, there's actually about 40 missing minerals, but the primary missing ones turns out to be magnesium oxide, potassium silicate, and this fine silicate clay that develops over those years. They create a paramagnetic, diamagnetic push-pull charge that converts moisture to vapor. So why do people, you know, talk about why the old buildings didn't mold like this? Well. They knew how to give up their moisture as vapor and blow it off. Now, if it's just blowing off behind the wall and you've got it sheeted and you got fiberglass insulation and you got standard drywall, you're still going to trap moisture. The older construction with lath and what? plaster with, you know, things that would allow that vapor to pass through. And that's what we mean by breathing. We don't mean air gaps in the wall at all. It's fully waterproof, but vapor permeable. And that's being widely recognized, you know, even in the green building programs. They say, yes, yes, we got it. <clears throat> we all know we have to get the moisture out. <laughs> so they've created all these new, what I call green building band-aids, dimple mats, drain mats, crinkle mats everything to try to artificially create a breathing zone, even if it's a 16th of an inch, between materials. And it's night and day. If you add those, yes, you can extend the life of your dead materials that have no natural ability to do that and solve a lot of immediate mold potential problems. You know, by even Tyvex has come out with a, a full drain mat, 16th inch raised ridges, 16 one sixteenth of an inch on center, literally letting By water the way, out the do you, uh, George, yeah. George, do you hear there is somebody outside doing the lawn next door with a huge machine? Just turn. Do you hear this? Oh, I don't. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> but I bet the people on my end are going to hear it. It is so loud. I mean, they're just with these big machines mowing the lawn, like, like, 
turning it on. Okay, I'm just checking in here because. Oh my god! Again, yeah, yeah, some it's things not you coming can't have through any control on my end. Okay, good. All right, yours is coming through. Go back. I'm sorry, I took you off course here. Okay. Well, yeah, it's all about <laughs> materials having the natural ability to convert moisture to vapor before it has a chance to hang around long enough to create mold. And this is all happening behind your walls, so it's kind of invisible, and sometimes takes years to accumulate the kind of moisture that will then have a tendency to create mold in the future. So by leaving these steps out, and several building departments are now requiring these breathing mats between the non-breathing materials. So, but it's a band-aid. Technically and historically, people figured out how to use materials that had these natural mineral balances that could convert moisture to vapor, like straw clay, rammed earth, and um, cob-type construction. Uh, our modern versions are Fazwall, Nexchem, and Havelblock, full breathing materials that promote this process of converting moisture to vapor. And um, just about all our materials are doing that incredibly poorly. Everything bonded with the waste products of petroleum, which is actually 85% of the products at Home Depot, are doing it very, very wow. poorly. Right, and this is not talked about. <laughs> and, you know, we don't want to talk about the politics or the media bubble that creates this to be a non-subject because I work with those who have been highly, highly impacted by it and have no choice. They simply cannot be in the building with these materials anymore. And it's really the definition of why our buildings last 30, 40, 50 years instead of multiple hundreds or even a thousand years plus. And I've done enough travel to know those buildings exist and what they were made out of. It's incredibly uh, eye-opening to see what's going on with this massive restoration program in China, the largest restoration program in world history, restoring the ancient monasteries and temples. All with these... Is it still going on? Because when, oh, we, yeah. when we did our first interview, oh, it was going on then, yes. I would imagine. And it's okay. going to be going on another 30, 40 years. Yeah, a, I was going to say 30, 40, 50 <laughs> Yeah, years. yeah. These are multi okay. buildings that are multiple hundreds of years old. A couple of them are over a thousand. Yes, they're, they're being incredibly sensitive to restore those with the original materials. Because a lot of these buildings only need restoration, you know, a thousand years later. So, and no mold in between. So it's incredibly eye-opening, so, you know, what can be done with natural materials without the mechanical band-aids that we have to add to the modern building to basically get it to breathe properly, get, get the moisture either out completely by drain mats and whatnot, or ideally create perfect electromagnetic charges between materials that facilitate this whole process. And it turns out there are some so really good ones out yeah. there. Right. So a couple of things I want to mention to the public and to you that I want to review with you in our, yeah. in our short amount of time that we have together today. I want to talk about heating and cooling. 
Okay, some information about heating and cooling and radiant heat, and why we don't see traditional radiant heat in the U.S. anymore, or very little. Uh-huh. I want to talk about what it is that you did when we spoke 11 years ago about the FEMA trailers that you made 30 times cleaner and cleaner air quality. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the paint industry and why it is, I have a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine who has a, a huge macaw bird named Katie. You'll all be meeting Katie soon, I'm sure, and my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's uh, a, a contractor came in there and practically destroyed the place, took it all down, and then left the project. And uh, so basically, we have to get the walls painted. And so paint is a big issue because now on the market, there's a lot of paint that says no zero VOCs. And when you first look at that as a consumer, I thought, okay, that's not toxic. But something in my spirit said it is still toxic. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) wait a minute. If we put that in there with that bird in there, that bird's going to die with fresh paint like that all over the house. It's trapped in the house. It has a small respiratory system. It's not like windows are open all day long. I mean, I want, I want, I want to hit some very hard hitting, real pr- sure. practical. Exactly what, not that it. what you're saying is not practical, but let's let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's get right into the paint space. This is for everybody who wants to coatings. paint or repaint. Yeah, coatings right? of all sorts. Okay. Right, because the number one thing, if she's lucky enough to already have the drywall off and the fiberglass pulled out because those things have to go. They all trap moisture and emit toxins while they're outgassing is to get the mineral balance back behind the wall. Now, eight or 10, after all the big things in Katrina, eight or nine companies came up with their mold killers. Even Kills has a, a mold killer. And they thought they could actually kill mold. You can't. You can only create preconditions where it won't grow, which is way, way wiser because it will find a way to grow back if the same conditions. What do you mean you can't kill mold? You can't. Wait a minute. You can wipe what it off. What do you mean off. you can't get rid? You can't get. It's in the you air. Can't get rid of it's it everywhere. It's omniscient. Okay. Really omniscient. It can grow even on standing water with enough pollen and soot on that water. It can grow on any surface. But unfortunately, most of the surfaces in the modern building actually, once they're fully moisture saturated, actually become food for mold, causing it to even spread behind the wall. That's why things like gypsum, you know, we're trying to avoid. Number one thing to get behind your wall is we do a blend of magnesium oxide, potassium silicate, and these superfine clays that emulate a few of the essential minerals missing in your wood if your home was built within the last 85 years, 99% were. So get those minerals back into the wood. You just spray it up. We send out a complete spec and the exact nozzle, PSI, exactly how to do it. We always say there's one big virtue in the force-grown lumber. It has gigantic cells, meaning we can get these minerals sucked in, you know, 16th to an eighth of an inch into the surface. So when your wall goes to form mold, it has to get the water from somewhere unless you, unless it's a leak. 
And then, of course, that will speed it up, a leak or, you know, bust a pipe, all that. But we're having mold in, you know, $5 million homes with no leaks at all. In other words, it's sucking the water right out of the studs. So if that, if that moisture has to pass through this, this medium of these superfine clays and these essential minerals, that's going to convert that moisture to vapor. Now, it's important that it can pass all the way through the wall, the vapor. So we want to get rid of the fiberglass that holds moisture way, way too long. In fact, even the simple rock wool available now at Lowe's off the shelf, you know, dehydrates several times faster than fiberglass and has no biocide and no uh, fire retardants. We don't want those in there passing through. So, and then we have to get through the drywall. So typically we like to replace that with different forms of magnesium oxide board or at minimum treating the paper behind the drywall with this same blend of these minerals. And that will promote the moisture to get all the way through. Obviously, we're going to paint the front with potassium silicate, all mineral paint, none of the zero VOC qualify. That labeling has been illegal in Europe for 70 years, completely deceptive, proven. You know, we're with a group that won a $2 billion class action lawsuit against every single company advertising zero VOC, including AFM. And technically, they have to get that labeling off within about five years. So we'll catch up. But in the meantime, people are buying oh, yeah. it. In the meantime, yeah, George, too. people are buying it thinking of it's course. non-toxic. And if I didn't know what I know, okay, I, I would have told my friend, oh, get the oh, no VOCs. It. Yeah. It's fine. Even I had painters tell me, oh, there's plenty of non-toxic paint. <laughs> right, I said, right. I don't think no, so. Not at I all. don't think so. No, it's all petroleum-based, right? They've just covered, you know, the average paint has 90 to 110 ingredients and one of them was zero VOC, and it only pertained to outdoor air environment. It's never, the testing's never even been done properly. So, yes, they all... Yeah, so it's a labeling issue, oh, very much like the food industry, extreme. this deceptive labeling. Yes. It's, 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 it's rampant everywhere. Yes, and yeah. especially in Got building it. materials, wow. because they've been able to keep all of this out of the press. Billions, billions are being spent to make this a non-subject because it acknowledges that all this trapped moisture is from the nature of the way we bonded all these materials over the last 80, 90 years. It was in 1910 that Dow and DuPont were both formed by Standard Oil with one mandate. Find profit centers for the waste products of the production of petroleum. And it was kind of simple. The highest profit was taking out as little of the heavy metals and the toxins as you could get away with. And those standards wow. are, we have very close to the lowest standards in the entire world. When Germany goes to buy so, a polymer so, from <laughs> Dow or DuPont, they have to take out up to 70% more of those invisible odorless toxins before the Germans will write the check, but not here. So that's why I can't okay, so do many much public lecturing anymore. <laughs> uh, you can't do much public lecturing anymore because some death people threat, have told you of course. what? Actual death threats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Because everyone asks, if this was important, why don't I know about it? Well, the only ones who are not asking are the ones who have children that will die if they stay in their $10 million super tight modern home. Those people finally get it. We have enough. We're very fortunate in Austin to have several of the best functional doctors in America. Uh, some of them are the highest paid doctors with the longest waiting list in the entire world. And they're all under death threats because the American Medical Association doesn't want to even acknowledge that this mold illness exists because it underpins and asks the questions, why and how did we get here? <laughs> and that's why I can't lecture because I have to talk about it, why you haven't heard about it, even if you have a PhD in architecture. And it's incredible. You know, it's true in the, in the dissemination. Sorry to interrupt you. It's true in the dissemination of all new and ancient knowledge. There's a block on, a block on it because it disrupts what are considered earthly standards, including but not limited to peer review. By the way, yeah. all of you, if you get a chance, watch the peer review show that was done with Gavin Menzies and Dr. Tim Ball. Uh, if you want to understand how peer review works internally to prevent the transmission, introduction, and dissemination of new knowledge and discovery, it's imperative. Because that's something, this is an example, though. Sure. It's about standards. Yeah, and it's true. Just like the standards in medical are take a mammogram when they shoot you with your breast with radiation. <laughs> right. Instead of a thermogram or something else, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Please it's all about who's financing the the publications, and um, in the case of the petroleum companies, they do not want this discussed. Not a single public university in America teaches this building biology science that's been taught on a PhD level throughout Europe for well over fifty years. It's the real thing, and that's why. In Europe, they consider us barbarians, people who live in probably the most dangerous media bubble on the planet. We can't talk about the actual laws of physics, chemistry, and biology that govern the functions inside of our body, especially the electromagnetics. And you cannot talk about the electromagnetics either, yes. which has now permeated our environments right. and now we to have the quantum to. level, practically right. to the quantum level. We have to. Yeah. Yeah, our bodies now, are affected by uh, it so radically that, you know, it worked for a couple of generations to just treat it as a non-subject until you can't, until the number of people involved who are affected by it, you know, goes up astronomically and or people travel <laughs> the rest of the world and see the rest of the world is doing this. There's a reason China is embracing nope. this top to bottom because they have PhDs in chemistry, physics, biology, and engineering running their country. But, you know, there's, um, there's at this time, I would say, versus even 11 years ago, I would say there's more of a sensitivity and a reflexive knee-jerk reaction to even talking about China. But I want to reiterate that as much difficulty... Um, and terrible things have come out of China. Some of the most remarkable things have also come out of China, from acupuncture to Tai Chi to Qigong 
the meridian system um so oh, so many things so yeah. stay stay open everybody stay yeah, open yeah, everybody i know that it's a hard time to hear it and talk about china but but listen for the marvels <laughs> that's right because they're they exist yeah i want to clarify something about two materials that you talked about a little bit earlier when the blower was going outside sure. um sheetrock and drywall can be uh can be put aside for those people that are interested, which obviously will be a smaller sector of the public, right? Because the public's invested in the standard of what is and what's being distributed and made available and being offered to magnesium oxide in terms of uh, replacing sheetrock and drywall. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. But to put it in perspective, China banned our plywood, our OSB and our gypsum-based drywall now it's been almost 20 years, 19 years ago. And during that 19 years, they built 75% of the world's construction without those materials. The scale of... That's really a revolution. That's I a know, revelation. I know. And these it? things don't get published yeah. in America. The good news is those, the materials they are using, everything's being all the, all the, all their plywood, all their OSB, all their drywall is magnesium oxide fireproof mold proof bug proof with nothing nothing added to it with 5,000 years of proof of concept in china terracotta soldiers great wall of china it goes on and on and on so this already happened and it happened at a multi-trillion dollar level and Our media is that powerful to make it a non-subject in America. But people need to know there's a fireproof, moldproof, bugproof alternative to drywall, plywood, and OSB that's proven worldwide. And it's commonplace throughout the world except North America. That's contextually important and specifically important. But I want to bring up another issue that you and I have talked about or a challenge Uh that goes on in multiple industries. Yes. For example, when you speak about locating water and we talk about the dowsers, the ancient geomancers that can locate water on a map, walk the land, use an instrument and locate not only where the water is, how far down it is, when to stop in terms of drilling, sure. what kind of water is there, et cetera. And they can describe the materials that are in the water, uh-huh. if it's safe to drink, da, 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 da. When the dowser, and we're going to talk about your application for this, when the dowser, traditionally water is found with a geologist on board uh-huh. and an engineer and a driller. So when a dowser comes into the standard of, the geologist, the engineer, and the driller, there's resistance in the space because they're coming from a totally different paradigm in which to locate the water. The driller is used to being paid $100. That was 20 some odd years ago, 25 years ago per foot to drill. The motivation to find the water, even though that's supposedly what they're there to do, is not there if they find it quickly. Okay, and the drills are expensive and they're hard to rent, et cetera. The engineers get ruffled because this is outside of the space of the engineering focus and the knowledge. And the geologists get aggravated unless they really care about the whole system 
Okay. And they're not as receptive. So similarly, tell me if I'm wrong, when you introduce building biology, working with non-toxic materials, breathing materials, biologically conductive materials that are good for health, right? You are in not only a different paradigm, different materials being used, but then you go in as a homeowner or someone who bought a property to break, to start to be uh, commensurate with the building codes. And you come in and you have to work with a contractor. You have to work with handy men and women. You have to work with the traditional scope. You go to what stores to buy the materials. And that's where we are. And now what tell the public, what do they do? Yeah. What do they do now? Yeah, Obviously. Right. Most of these materials are not at Home Depot. A few of them are, very few, but a few. So, yes, the owners have to get incredibly proactive and be in charge of ordering the materials, and that's exactly what I do. I coordinate full lists of materials for major remodels, multimillion-dollar homes. Sometimes I do the full architectural prints. So I can bed all these materials into the prints, but they don't need to be. It can all be done on a spec sheet as well, you know, where somebody buys a set of plans for, you know, $500 from the Internet. It's the layout they want. Now, historically, I used to try to modify everyone's plans to kind of be, you know, a little more kosher with the ancient Vastu or Feng Shui. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm content with getting 95 to close to 100% of the toxins out of the building. And we'll we'll worry about anything that appears subjective in the future. Right now, where there's enough rock-hard science on why we need to get these materials out, and what I do is I frame what I do in the context of being a, a, a medical professional. This is a preventative and or in 90% of the cases, it's remedial. Unfortunately, I almost always have to work with people who have been through hell and back, told by their architects and builders that there are no options, you know, when there were. But I've been able to dig these up over the years. I used to have to get almost all of it out of Europe and Asia. A lot of it is being made here in the U.S., but in very limited quantities. And because of the incredible increase in conventional building costs, we're now cost-competitive on every single level. Nobody is shocked by a half-inch structural MGO board costing $40 when half-inch plywood is 55 So times have changed. It used to be we'd always say you're going to add overall about 10 to 15% your building to get this big 95 to 98% of all the toxins out of the building envelope. And believe me, a full 90% of what you're surrounded with is the envelope. It's not the little furniture and the countertop. <clears throat> as poisonous as those may be, they're minor. You can spend $8,000 on a fully non-toxic, <clears throat> pardon me, custom-made couch or you can spend half that amount and get 30,000 pounds of toxic drywall off of your home. It's pure logic. You're breathing everything in that envelope. There's building biology that 
your building envelope is called your third skin, you know. You've got the one that's holding your tissue and blood in and then your clothing and then your building envelope. You're breathing through it like it or not. So yes, we, we and we work almost with people who have gotten to the point of no choice. In other words, they can't be in the plywood, OSB, drywall, fiberglass insulation building. It's over. Or they have a child who has to be out of that environment. Or an aunt or uncle. And millions and millions of people have been affected now. So, yes, by, by framing what I do as a medical intervention, <clears throat> you know, I keep off the radar. They say, oh, that's fine. That's just a tiny, tiny, tiny little group. Except if you knew how large it was, it wouldn't look tiny at all. Even Social Security now acknowledges MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity, as a full disability. So times are changing. Now, Europe did that, you know, 70, 80 years ago. <laughs> you know, we are catching up. And it's taken a lot of time. It's going to take a lot more court cases, you know, proving the damage done, you know, to the human nervous system and respiratory and immune and all of it. And uh, that is being proven as we speak. So it's going to happen. You know, our whole thing is I would love to be, you know, building and designing for folks in a proactive way before they go into this lapse into what's called MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity, where they can't be near any of it anymore. And that takes years and years of getting the physical burden off the body, meaning an envelope that they're living in, floor, wall, ceiling, all the finishes, <coughs> and everything behind the wall. Luckily, so that can be done even on a conventional building. Because a lot of people are to the point where, you know, the animal keep reoccurring in their home. They can't get it. You know, the, whole, the wall's got to come off. You know, it, it's, I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Um, sorry, I need to cut in here. You can't see the cues, et cetera. Sure. I want to talk to you about um, in crawl spaces. And I want to yeah. talk to you also about this thing that's coming to me as I'm hearing you speak, which is the, it, it's, it's coming to me like the smaller space you're living in. It's even more serious. Oh, yeah. It's serious in general. But if you're in like these little tiny homes, they're all made of the stuff that is toxic. Yes, concentrated them, right? per square foot. Yes, it can be triple the amount of air pollution because you don't have any diffusion. You don't have any um, way, you know, if you have a 10 or 12 foot ceiling in a big open space, you're diluting it. And the effects of not nearly as severe as in a tiny space. So that became incredibly critical. And the EMF, you know, having, you know, even a three-quarter kitchen, you know, is more than three-quarter of the EMFs of a full kitchen. It's all being concentrated in that. But yes. The, when I see these shows, when I, when I see these shows, George, yeah. of people talking about, all excited about their little tiny homes, and they're interesting shows, but I'm always thinking... And I've been thinking of this. What about the electromagnetics? Look at all the electromagnetics in that little tiny space, let alone the toxic building materials. Why isn't that industry, that area, 
calling you like crazy well, for help. They are. I mean, that yeah. could be the biggest transformation. It's all eco, eco, eco. If you want real eco, <laughs> you have to go down this path. Yes. Yeah. And right? people learn the hard way. You know, it's usually, you know, when people that start to develop chemical sensitivity, it's usually later in life, obviously, immune systems weaker and weaker, you know, as you're older and older or younger and younger. A child comes out of the hospital, you know, four to 12 times more chemically sensitive than the parents who don't know why it's screaming its head off. The cruelest thing you could do for a child is do a Home Depot renovation to its nursery or bedroom, breathing the modern carpet, the modern paint, the modern everything. That you, people kind of get that part. And that, that's been pretty good. We've given a couple workshops on how to prepare a room for a baby coming back to a hospital. Minimum four times the that's chemical great. sensitivity of the adults who are just scratching their head. Why is he crying all the time? Well, the good news in a place, I have a question. you can is open there... the window in Austin, you know. Right. We don't have as severe a problem. A lot of my work is in Florida right now where it's extreme. You know, the rotten crawl spaces and the rotten attics. And we do have a lot of remedies for those, all completely opposite of what the industry is doing. We teach all. And I want to talk about right. that with you. I, hold, hold before you go there. Hold one second. Sure. I, I want to clear something with you. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to talk about that because well, I was shocked when we spoke yesterday about some of the things you said versus what's out there as a standard right. in terms of the way that uh, wood rot is treated, mold is treated, the crawl spaces are sealed. We'll get to it in one minute. Do you think it's possible to ever have a carpet that's non-toxic? Oh, uh, sure. It could be 100% wool, 100% organic cotton, there's blends out there that approach that. None of them are 100%. And people with mild chemical sensitivities, you know, can get sisal mat and wool carpets. Now, wool carpets definitely have a, a wool smell, you know, unless they've done some kind of deodorant on it, which would be toxic, you know, made by Dow and DuPont. <laughs> we don't want it on there. We don't want Scotch Guard. It's one of the most poisonous. I'm sure they love you, George. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure they well, love you. Comes, uh, They're probably sending you thank you cards. Whatever. Well, it all comes down yeah. to, you know, maintenance issues and why we don't mm -hmm. use really good non-toxic materials that are or finishes that are common throughout Europe. In Germany, it's common for people to wax and oil their furniture. Sometimes you have to do it twice a year and their floors. Well, Americans won't do that. You know, we won't, we'll kill the floor chemically with non-breathing epoxy or urethane and say, well, look at, we have no maintenance. Well, yeah, break into your floor and look at the moisture you just trapped on the other side of the wood. It's going to catch up with you someday. It's just a matter of time. It's like a time bomb. So there's a real reason they stick with the oils and waxes. Now that's just one level of finish. The biggest level, of course, is all these layers of acrylic and latex paints. Yes, they're water-based, but they're petroleum as their binders. And yes, they, they do have to breathe now. All those companies have been sued for billions. You know, back in the 80s, the stucco company, uh, Stove, well, no, what was it? It was Drive It, was bragging commercially that they had a stucco that couldn't breathe. Believe me, they do not brag about that now. 
In fact, they have to have certain PERM ratings because the lawsuits related to trapping moisture behind the wall are the largest class action lawsuits, period, in world history, all related to constructions that failed, primarily EFIS, where they slapped styrofoam on a building, and then, you know, the only stucco that was stick well couldn't breathe either, and everything rotted behind. Most insurance companies won't touch a building with that now. And billions and billions were involved. So all the companies came up with ways of trying to trick nature and down DuPont's labs into high perm values. What they don't do in the U.S. is tell you what the perm value will be in 5 years, 10 years, or 20 all, we don't know what the per, oh, permeability, yeah, is that what you that mean by perm values? letting okay. these um, minute, tiny vapor particles vapor back out. In other words, the mantra in all building science, because America has its own kind of version of building science, that built up from the concept of saving energy and airtight, and now they've had to backtrack quite a bit and talk about materials that are you know, waterproof, but vapor open or vapor permeable. So now nobody talks about vapor barriers. They're all vapor retarders. How to get the right size, tiny, tiny, tiny hole in these materials to let out the right particle size vapor, but not water. Because obviously we can't leave it behind the wall. We can't leave it under the floor. We can't leave it up in the attic. It's not working out at all over time, <laughs> right? And the consequences are so severe in terms of health. But again, you know, we'll go into the mold a little bit later. That's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. The whole building's coming apart. You're even poisoning your mechanical equipment with what's emitting off of these walls and your paint and your carpet. I mean, it goes on and on. And your countertop and, you know, every furniture piece well what and then you add heating and cooling which i think we do need to talk about yes. for a minute a couple yes. of minutes the heating and cooling when you when you then add that i when i lived in europe and i told you i lived in berlin germany yeah. loved Excel, it by the way um right. and we would use radiators as heaters of course we don't have that here yeah. and in england when i stayed in when i lived in england yeah I, we use radiators. And, well, and the concept of sure. well, the way we have it here, I don't understand. Yeah, we could do that even in the 30s and do? 40s before drywall. It, it was right. called lath and right. plaster. Everyone knew every little horizontal piece of lath had to have a big gap between it, half inch to an inch. And that would create a big ball of stucco that would become a thermal storage. So that wall could dehydrate. You could have those old-fashioned radiators all there running all day long with steam heat, and the whole thing would dry itself out afterwards. It wouldn't... Wouldn't it be cheaper, too? Wouldn't it be cheaper, too? It, theoretically, but not under modern conditions. Things like lath and plaster right. became extremely expensive, mainly because there's almost nobody who can do it anymore. It's, it's over. However, we still use it for... Okay. we Right now, you know, in the last few years... The vast majority of our projects are Fazwall or Nexchem. Clay and magnesium-treated mineralized wood chips that are fireproof, mold-proof, and bug-proof. If you take a piece of wood, throw it in a clay bog, and wait 60, 70 years, it will be semi-petrified. That piece of wood will be fireproof, mold-proof, and bug-proof. 
About 450, 500 years ago, the Germans and Swiss simultaneously came up with methods of demineralizing wood chips, taking out the sugar, acids, and oils, and replacing it with magnesium oxide and clay. You can hold a torch on those chips for six hours before they'll ignite. They're semi, they're almost petrified. They're semi-petrified. And that creates the perfect push-pull charge. The cellulose in the wood and the clay create an absolute opposite charge that converts moisture to vapor. So you hose that wall down, high-pressure hose from the outside. We have buildings we don't even have to finish the outside. We don't care if water gets in it all day long. In two or three hours, it's bone dry. Here, physics. So, yes, that's a breathing Wow, ball. this would be great in hurricane areas, oh, great extreme, in Florida, extreme. great in, in, in where else, in all the places that have hurricanes. Yes. This would be fantastic. That's right. A whole new building industry. Well, it's already happened in mass worldwide. I know, but, mm-hmm. but it's still quiet. It's still quiet, George. Yeah, it's yeah. Still, what, what's cool about you know, it now and so different now is with wood going up, in the past, you know, as much as 460%, 460%, all these European technologies are competitive and they're all made here in the U S now and still, you know, more so in Canada, much more in in Canada. But yeah, the 50 story building is built with this fast wall block. One third, the weight of concrete cuts with a handsaw, dry stack, And only one-third of that block towards the inside of the block, towards the inside of the building, is filled with concrete and rebar. And we use all plastic rebar for the EMF issues. So we created a perfect, uh, you know, thermal flywheel at the inside of the wall that you charge, you heat or cool that for 40, 50 minutes in the morning, turn it off seven hours later. That same temperature is bellowing off your wall 500 years from now for free. That's not an exaggeration. That's why this is the number one building system in Europe for 50, 60 years in a row. Well, especially Germany. Germany promoted this top to bottom. This is how, this is a competent building. And yes, you can have all radiant heat and radiant cool meaning you don't even care what the air temperature is. Radiant heat and radiant cool, we'll talk about radiant cool because radiant heat is simple, sun, fire, hot water. It cuts straight through the air right into your bone mass. So you don't even care what temperature the building is. Your bones feel great in your radiating heat or cool from your core outward. And you're not burning hundreds of calories per hour while your tissue is trying to catch up with your bone temperature. If you're four degrees off between your tissue and your bone for 20 minutes, that's called hypothermia. If you you go into brain fog first, and then later every other function in your body will turn off because you have to balance those two temperatures. Blood don't flow uphill at the wrong temperature. So, yeah, we have a heating and cooling system that I think Frank Lloyd Wright says the best. It's all medically criminal top to bottom. And it is, it has been in Europe for over 70 years in schools, hospitals, or nursing homes to throw hot or cold air on the human body. 
You can easily prove this to yourself. I mean, here in Austin, we can do it because we have Barton Creek downtown. These perfectly clear, ice-cold water flowing over these rocks at 110 degrees. You go down there in 110-degree days, stand 30 feet away from that wall for just over a half hour. You'll feel nothing at first. You'll feel a tingle after 10 or 15 minutes. And then after about 30, 40 minutes, you start to feel really, really good. Turn around, walk away, and feel like you're in heaven for three and a half hours where your bones radiate cool to your outside. And the air between your nose and that rock wall wow. was 110 degrees. Or on a minus... This is another world. It's a whole different world. It's another it's world. It's a world of health. It's what your body was meant to be around. You grew up in caves. You, we didn't have these little sealed buildings that aren't working. But yeah, what a, the cold side is about, even more yeah. important because obviously AC is one of the biggest health degenerators in our whole culture. It's literally just trying to cool the air so only your tissue is getting cold. And you, you literally are burning hundreds of calories per hour while your cold tissue is trying to permeate into your bones. And that takes a couple of hours. And then you finally get it in there after you've been dizzy and spaced out, feeling terrible. It promotes every long-term inability to heal in the world because you have to get those temperatures balanced first, then everything else later. And yes, you're you're using a tremendous energy doing that as well. So that's why in schools, hospitals, and nursing homes throughout Europe, it's been illegal in some areas for 70 years, in all areas for the last 40 to 50, to throw hot and cold air on people in hospitals, schools, or nursing homes. You can't do it. How do they circulate the air? Luckily, How do they circulate the, the air? Windows? Uh, or windows, ideally. It's very common throughout Europe, you know, even at, you know, minus 10 degrees for a German to open their windows for 10 minutes in the morning and in the <laughs> afternoon. They'll just do it. They know it. But the other side of that is there is some mechanical assist you can do with ERVs, energy recovery ventilators, and mini split combinations. And finally, that's hitting America. It's been de facto number one throughout Asia and Europe for over 90 years. People get it. The ductwork's got to go. Blowing hot and cold air is not cool. Much better to generate it at the source like a little mini split will do. And, you know, big argument is always, oh, the mini split, if it gets mold, you can't clean it. It don't get mold if your walls don't have mold. So, yes, it is dangerous to put a mini-split into an old home if you haven't cleaned out your mold sources, which is the cavity of your wall. So, yeah, our clean buildings are not burning out the the little uh, uh, mini-splits, but they don't do makeup air. Uh, ideal makeup air is opening a window, but if you have a high pollen count and high pollution count, you can't just throw open the window anymore. And we have people with extreme respiratory sensitivity, and that's where the ERV comes in. You can get them little ones for four or five hundred bucks that you know will handle. What do you mean in the ERV? You mean a energy uh, recovery? What metal. an air cleaner? No, it's quite different. It's okay. just sucking in outdoor air through filters and sucking out the equal amount, pure air exchange. Its own 
ideally its own set of ductwork, if ducts are required at all, can be set on the perimeter of a wall, just one inlet, one outlet, and constantly wow. replacing the air, ideally not hooked into any central AC system, because then you're distributing the mold, you know, through your ductwork. So getting rid of ductwork is, you know, well, it's paramount. It's what we simply do on every project. And there is affordable ways to approach all of that, even if you're in an environment where you can't open and close the window. And we, yes, we do a lot of sealed crawl spaces and sealed attics, especially in Florida. You have to. There's so much pollen and so much pollution in the metro areas. So, but then we can seal it after we've sprayed all these minerals, we've cleaned all the surface mold off the best you can. The real mold is deep in the core of the wood. But again, we're going to mitigate that by getting the natural minerals back into the wood. It just looks kind of like a grayish white stain on everything. And it's fully non-toxic and dries within 10 minutes. It's got a real high level of super fine silicate clay in it. And then, um, and that's quite affordable. Like, when you mix your own, and I send out all the mixing instruction, it comes down to, you know, less than $30 a gallon. Because only one-third of that mix has to be the high-priced potassium silicate magnesium blend that's uh, doing the heavy lifting and bonding the clay so it doesn't flake off. And again, the naturally grown, old-growth lumber had all of it in it. So, yes, we're not replacing all 40 missing minerals, but we're getting those three or four top ones that had everything to do with the conversion of moisture to vapor. You get that moisture converted to vapor quick enough within two days, and there is no mold behind the walls. Now, if that vapor landed on something that can't breathe inside that cavity, you're in pretty big trouble. And it turns out fiberglass holds the moisture long enough to not actually, you know, be mold itself, but to be a sponge to hold the water around long enough for the adjacent materials to mold. And eventually, it'll become food for mold as well. You saw that in the Katrina slides, you know, where the standing water was left long enough. So, yeah, it's pretty you dangerous. Did those you did those, you did those, uh, and I want to go back to it, and I really want to talk about the crawl space sure. matter. Yeah. You did, at the time we spoke 11 years ago, mm -hmm. you had done 30 FEMA trailers that, whose air, or you had done a lot of, like, I don't know, hundreds of FEMA trailers, right? Well, no, not but for FEMA. But the air quality FEMA, was 30. No, we only did one or two yeah. for FEMA specifically. Oh, you did, oh, okay. but we've done, you know, literally hundreds for clients that couldn't be near drywall, yes. plywood, OSB, all that. But yeah, and those, I don't consider those completely successful. Only a few of them were we able to isolate all the EMFs, you know, a separate little trailer, you know, kitchen trailer and all that. And very few people would go that route. Most just, you know, put the full three-quarter kitchen in their little units. And yes, all of them had EMF issues later. And the yes, the board helped. With outside EMFs, you know, it'll block 60-70% of the EMFs from cell towers, but not the EMFs you're generating inside of your house. So, and they were, all our clients had extreme difficulty finding uh, sites to put them on 
where there weren't neighbors with Wi-Fi and burning tires in the backyard, all that Texas stuff. So they, they are not a solution. We still do send out specs for them occasionally when people are in a real desperate need and they have a, a good rural site to put it on. And usually that will be more for a temporary building while they're building something permanent, you know, to protect themselves long term. So let's go. Let's let's, yeah. talk, you know, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, crawl spaces, I, 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 I'm, I'm really got deeply into that in the last several years because they were <laughs> the source of so much mold in so many homes. And yes, we have to seal and we have to close those vents off. We can't. Unless you know a way to, you know, monitor the air, if you're following the exact falling counts and pollution counts and you're opening and closing vents, turned out to be quite a bit smarter to put these little $400 units that'll handle up to 3,200 cubic feet, you know, somewhat, you know, more than the average crawl space. And all we do is, you know, you know, it, it, it handles a little bit of the moisture problems, but typically in Florida, we have to combine that with a good dehumidifier as well. You put them on a hatch where you can look at the filters regularly and, you know, change out on your dehumidifier as needed if it's not, you know, fully plumbed properly. But yeah, there's ways to even do this on a shoestring to mitigate what's going on in that crawl space to get only fresh air into there, pump out air constantly. And at 11, 12 cents a kilowatt hour, these little $400 units, you know, run 24 seven at about 20 cents a day and they're silent. So, you know, a lot's gone on with that field. There's units available that are eight and 9,000 that have five filters. I'll even filter the finest smoke. But even the, you know, the MERS 6, you know, big, big cell um, filter will take out the pollen and the big air pollution particles, the ones that create enough slime on the inside of your crawl space to grow mold on top of anything. So uh I contacted a certified field inspector for a big company for a friend of mine who had um, uh, some leaks in her crawl space. Yeah, the worst thing possible. And they took pictures and they said, yeah, you need a plumber to go down there and to fix the leak or leaks. Got to be done. And see if he he can set up fans to dry out the area below the shower and the crawl space. Then mold removal. You know, but even after you remove the molds, unless you create the conditions for the non-mold, it can come back in a day or a week, Well, which is very expensive, right? Right. It usually takes a few months, but sure. Yeah, the first pollen Mm -hmm. season or whatever, if they left open vents, but a lot of them are doing the ERVs and the crawl spaces now. So that's to the great credit. The big difference is is they'll, they'll spray on a mold killer because they'll make it easier to wipe the surface mold off, but that doesn't solve it. That doesn't create a territory or a terrain or an ecosystem that's converting ambient uh, moisture from the wood because, you know, mold is seeking out moisture. It's literally drawing it out of the wood 
and wood has to maintain 10, 15% moisture or they'll all crack and, you know, get bugs and die. So, um, yeah, so we get get the minerals back in all that wood. Of course, we have to wipe off all this, we call it the uh, construction slime, you know, and the any deposits of um, pollution and mold that's already on the wood. Get the surface off the best you can. You can't get into the cracks perfectly. A lot of mold will be left no matter what you do. So, yes, create something that's converting moisture to vapor. Now, the earth... <clears throat> typically has mold, and the short-term solution, of course, is they seal it off with this heavy 20-mil plastic and then foam around every post and they try to tighten, tighten it. And, you know, in building biology, we always say you can never seal anything perfectly on a job site. You can only make the hole so small it will come out with a vengeance later. So that will fail over time. So typically, we'll take out one to two inches of soil. We'll measure it, you know, to see how much mold is in the soil. There's always some. Take out the top couple inches, put a clean, sandy loam with 10 to 15% magnesium oxide tilled into the soil. And that soil won't mold. How interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, by the way, all our soil used to have all these minerals in it. <laughs> we all know that's been missing for a long, it. long time. Yeah, long time. What, over 50 years? Yeah, and what, a full, what, 70 yeah. to 90 percent of it are deficient in magnesium yeah. oxide? It's not in their food. No ormus anymore. No nothing. Yeah. No hummus, no ormus. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a done deal. No nothing. Yes. So, yes. It's a done this, deal. This earth needed those minerals even to just convert moisture to vapor properly. You know, this thing was thought out pretty carefully by the creator. And here we come along and think we can short circuit all that. And we're just now quantifying the real price in North America. Believe me, they've quantified this top to bottom over a 70 year period throughout Europe. Uh, primarily Who's Germany. They? Germany Who's was they? number one mm-hmm. in all of this. Switzerland, number two, then Norway, Sweden, Denmark, all of them. I believe yeah. it. I yeah. believe it. So all you got to do is visit those countries and talk to people. <laughs> oh, I have. I have. Yeah. I, I want to quickly usher us back to yeah, what we can do here and now. this particular field right. inspector. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I want to tell you one other, two other things. Sure. He also said control groundwater seepage in the crawl space, perimeter oh, drain and sump pump, and change change the environment in the crawl space with encapsulation to control humidity, eliminate water from entering anywhere and insulating. Yes. Do you agree well, with that? Well, we don't agree uh, all the way up to the full encapsulation. In other words, yes, you can right. create a temporary mold-free environment by trying to seal it until it unseals itself. That's called earth movement and materials movement especially on an old building. But, you know, I, I, yeah. by old, I mean, you know, like 60, 70 years old, where it's got all the bad bad right. lumber in it. Right. That thing's moving around always. And, yes, everything you seal will, will hairline crack out, even the ones cracks you can't see. And that's what happens when we, when we even try to seal the concrete under our slabs. Our book has a full protocol on even how to create a breathing drainable slab and yes there's environments you can't do that because there's so much water bubbling up from underneath 
you got to go ahead and seal it off and then expect mold between your concrete and your vapor barrier. You'll have it, guaranteed. And will that affect your health? Only if you're sensitive to it, meaning tiny hairline cracks that's breathing right up through into mm-hmm. your lungs. And that's that, that newborn baby or that person in their 80s or the young kid with autism. They feel all of this. So it's all preventable. It's all been done in Europe for literally hundreds of years. I mean, for close to a hundred. It's hugely expensive to correct a crawl space. Well, in the traditional standard, in the standard model, I mean, the quotes I've gotten, it's incredible. (laughs) And I just, I looked at it. It's like, it's it's really staggering. And yet there's another part of the solution in this matrix that you're introducing, when you talk about not sealing it off, and that even when it's sealed, it could still seep out. Yes, it will. Is finding the people to do what's the next, what is this transformational trajectory to bring well, in, the, uh, which is a totally different way to deal with, you know, the leaks and the, it, well, obviously part of it is yeah. the plumbing, but then the mold and then sealing off, and what not sealing off, whatever it is that's there that is traditionally sealed off. I, Correct. I, you know, yeah, it has to come from a health... Wood rot. What about wood rot? Yes, yes. It's all curable. Yes, we can even recover old rotten wood with the right blend of this magnesium oxide, clays, and uh, wood particles. Wow. It turns out this MGO bonds to everything cellulose perfectly, perfectly. Totally opposite concrete. When you handle it, it heals cuts on your hands. This is a completely different universe. It was the world's concrete before Portland cement. Portland cement allowed, you know, for a a very convenient, extremely low-tech technology that let everybody pour concrete. Well, MGO is super sensitive to pressure, heat, and time, and everything, and, you know, up until 1955, like, all terrazzo was magnesium oxide. Somebody figured out how to add a bunch of polymer plastic powders, Portland cement, and they created artificial, and the difference is night and day. The artificial stuff never cracks. It's easy to pour, on and on and on. The installers love it. You don't have to know much. But it can't breathe. And by breathing, we mean electromagnetic breathing. Push-pull charges. Bone next to tissue. Plus next to minus. Analogous is clay next to cellulose. Analogous to cellulite and bone. They're two different, different materials, but they have the same electromagnetic character. Meaning, if your heart was a pump, it'd be the size of a small house. That's acknowledged throughout the medical industry. They know you have to have balanced electromagnetic charges to excrete this two quarts of water a day as vapor. Miss that for a few days, you'll be incredibly sick, and miss it for a week, and you'll be dead. You have to get that moisture back out. So nature came up with this. These electromagnetic charges permeating your whole body, they're, they're governing virtually every function in your entire body. Your, your heart isn't doing all the work pumping your blood around. 
you know, minimum, what, 70 to 90,000 miles of arteries, veins, and capillaries, the heart would it's have incredible. to be this size. Of really a, incredible. Yeah, you can't do it with a pump. You know, you've got to push-pull it out with these balanced charges. I remember as a kid being right. fascinated by these little plastic boats. You could add a little bit of baking powder to the top, to the back of it, these plastic little boats for your bathtub, and how it would propel around in circles and circles inside your your bathtub. Well, nature's got thousands. Now we know where this whole thing started with yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, why don't we do these things with in mineral balances? Right, right. <laughs> you know, we can move everything around. Nature already is doing it. It's the only way you can circulate this incredibly complex system we are. So, so who do people hire to go in under the crawl space and apply this uh, paradigm and materials. Yeah. Who does that? I get that? lots of people. Where yeah, yeah. No special skill, just a special write-up that we do of what needs to be done. You know, we just wipe, okay. wipe them all off with, you know, torch, 12. You would need pictures of a crawl space, wouldn't you? <laughs> hardly, pictures of hardly. Everything. Mole always looks the same. <laughs> and even if you don't see the mold, if it's forest-grown lumber built in the last 85 years, Yes, it's got slime on it, you know, and yes, a lot of it's just mildew and stuff. We don't even care if it's mildew or not. You've got a slimy medium that can become a medium for mold in the future. You have to get it off no matter what it is. And yeah. It's, right. But in this scenario, in this scenario, sorry to interrupt you, in this scenario, yeah. for example, and in others, if someone needs a plumber to go down there because there's a leak, yeah. that happens first. Yes. And then your material, your somebody goes in to do what your yeah the big wipe down sure and that's not pleasant yeah, yeah. had to be done no matter what everybody gets that part you know well oh, the biggest change we're going to do is we're not going to spray it up with another toxic product from Dow or Dupont that tries to kill the mold for one thing it won't you know it'll just temporarily get the mold you saw you still got to do that real good thorough. Wipe down with disposable rags, go down to, you know, Goodwill, get a whole bunch of old sheets, whatever, throw everything away afterwards. You don't want to be near it. You've wiped all this off. Missed everything. Literally, we're missing it. You know, we're using these real fine nozzles and it's sucking in real nice and deep into the wood. It looked like it's all been kind of white stained afterwards. Nothing to really see or talk about. Even if you spray it all over your body, it's good for your skin. Let's put it that way. You're not poisoning your applicator, okay. which is a big plus if you happen to be the poor guy who's laying on his back spraying this. But it's, you know, so that's a big plus. It even costs a little bit less. A lot of these things are 80 and 90 to $150 a gallon, these mold killers. And they're, let's put it this way. Like kills was the number one when used throughout Katrina and the big floods in Houston, <clears throat> it, it's more toxic than the kills, you know, acrylic that they put on walls, which floors even some of the best painters. <clears throat> so it's all plus not doing that. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> you know, you got to get the ERV in there. <clears throat> you know, you got to get an air exchange because if you're going to seal off all those vents, which... Depending on where you live, you just may have to do that. Even if you're in a rural area with a high pollen count, it's 
behooves you to close off those vents, you know, because obviously. When you say the vents, the vents in the crawl yep, space? you got to seal them off. And, mm-hmm. But only mm-hmm. if you're doing this ERV that's taking their place. Only new filtered okay. air that's sucking the old out and bringing the new in all day long. And, and okay. it, you know, and they're, you know, they're only like 12 by 22 inches, you know, and they're like six inches high. They'll fit between framing joists up in your ceiling even. But again, we're, we're, we want to talk about this crawl space and the attic areas because they're, you know, some of the biggest offenders. And you kind of, you know, hit those first. Because <laughs> if you don't get the mold out of there, the whole house, you know, is going to be mold infested. So yeah, that that and then again, okay. getting that soil off the top, measure it every once in a while. There is no mold in the soil. Typically, there is, you know, and especially if they had put down. You what they're doing 15, 20 years ago, just throwing like six mil visqueen down, and they put it down real sloppy, so it was breathing. And typically, there won't be severe mold under that, but often, so it needs to be measured. And ideally, about two inches of the old soil taken out, replaced with clean, sandy loam that's laced with about 10 to 15% of this magnesium oxide. And I line up all those materials for the client. They're always there before they're needed. And I check all the quantities and all that. That's what our consulting service is all about. How do you, how, and by the way, in terms of measuring a crawl space to be able to get you that information before the consulting starts, and it's what, $600 for a three-hour consulting? Correct, yes. And, and then, okay, all right. Yeah. And, that, and then, yeah. um, and so, and to, how does one measure a crawl space? That's not an area that I'm, Just uh, the size, you know, that I'm familiar with. Just the size of the floor plan times the height mm-hmm. of the crawl space. Typically, they're two to three feet high. Go ahead and measure into the depth of the framing members as well. Sometimes they're big two-by-twelves, and, you know, a full 12 inches up there. And um, if you're under 3,200 square feet, taking that floor plan, multiplying it times the height of that crawl space, this little $400 unit from, um, you know, that we have right there on the chart, and, you know, several companies make them, but, is uh, the one we like a lot is uh, uh, from not from AFM, but uh, oh, it's the biggest company out there doing them. Uh, it's right here on my chart. That's the um, Wh- Panasonic Whisper Comfort ERV FV04VE1, and that's the little four hundred dollar unit. Used to be three hundred a year ago, but okay. Okay. Yeah, worth its weight in gold because that almost all crawl spaces. So this spaces could save somebody a ton. This this could save homeowners a ton of money. Well, not a if whole they lot. Have mold. Yeah, because they still want to insulate the perimeter wall of their crawl space with the more expensive rock wool. Of course, they don't have to have right. any facing on it towards the inside. It breathes really good, gives up its moisture super competently. And they're going to spray the inside of that little vertical wall, the crawl space wall, you know, with these minerals as well. So, but yeah, yeah, the minerals themselves are, you know, like when you mix them yourself, you know, it's only like $30 a gallon. That's incredibly Mm -hmm. affordable. So 
so you get that done and then, you know, those, those are the big ones. And then the last thing you check, you know, is that whether you need to take out the earth and that can be kind of pricey, you know, digging out that couple inches and hauling all that away and, you know, replacing it. But certainly it'll be less. That comes last. Yeah. I would imagine that's the And it'll last be thing. somewhat mm-hmm. less costly than the heavy duty 20 mil plastic they put down and try to seal it, you know, around the posts and all the edges perfectly. And you get rid of trying to seal your perimeter wall. You're you're encouraging it to give up its vapor on a regular basis into the crawl space because you're sucking all that old air out all the time anyway. I can't even believe what my friend was quoted to do. Oh, I'm sure it was over $10,000. Yeah, yeah, and probably sometimes way over. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, Was it 20? Keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was in the thirties and okay. We're 25 ish, 30. Okay. So yes. Yeah. We have people spending that kind of money. We have them spending as little as 10,000, but typically we can come in right around 5,000, you know, if, if they contract it themselves, meaning we give them enough instructions Mm -hmm. to have a competent handyman come in and handle all of this. And you think a competent handyman just oh, any competent oh, handyman can do oh, it? We prefer those or, kind of people. Professionals think they okay. have every answer, and the answers tend to be that's true. Tend to be yeah. these, you know, conventional wisdom of sealing everything up, which is, you know, pretty good if you only have a one-year warranty on everything. It's your cover your butt kind of thing, you know, and it, it's real sad because it doesn't meet the long-term requirement of converting moisture to vapor. The definition of this sounds like the labor intensive for somebody, a handyman, to work with these materials for the first time, right? It's foreign to them. Possibly. And then to do the crawl space would take days upon days. Well, yeah, yeah. If they got near a $30,000 bid, it was probably a pretty large one as well. And no, the guy, the guy said it would be three days. Okay. So he had pretty large crew coming in doing that. Yes, this can be done with Maybe. just what we're talking about with just a two, two or three man crew, all also in two or three days, but you know, no no heavy plastic involved, no sealing of anything up. Right. Okay, that's cool. yeah. So materials could come incredible. out just three or four thousand or three thousand, and then you double that. You know, mm-hmm. if you're paying a labor rate. Mm-hmm. And a handyman rate, by the way, you know, 30, 40 yeah, an hour, yes, yeah. not, you know, 75, 80 an hour for somebody calling themselves a professional. Yeah. I <laughs> right. No, I, it's I, very, I almost, very, very, you know, very, very nature of contracting. Cause you know, for 18 years I've did full design build on all these alternative structures. You know, I finally get it. You know, why, there's such a mean group, you know, right. In other words, and I've been in, I've, everything. I've been involved for just the last X number of months. And I, I, as I said to you the other day on the phone, it's pretty appalling. Yeah. How it got this way. Right. But, the arrogance, but it's like any industry. It's like any industry. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, resistance. Uh, yeah. To change. Cause every change. Resistance, is, uh, arrogance, okay. uh, and there's a lot also, a lot of a lack of accountability. Of course. Because a lot of homeowners don't know what 
what these people yeah, are doing. Yeah, and, and what the other people are doing, et cetera. Only, they don't know the materials. Yeah, right? it's only a year. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know that full sealed up method, of course, will work for a year or so. <laughs> but yeah, that guy won't be anywhere to be found when that mold reoccurs, mm-hmm. except for at similar pricing, you know, to deal with the next time. So yeah, it, it, it can be incredibly tragic in so many levels. And it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. <laughs> you know? Even if you had the, you, you tell the guy, I'll give you an extra 10,000, you're still going to get, you know, that real, real um, temporary kind of solution out of it all. And, and again, there's ways, you know, we have, we did some projects up in Highland Park in Dallas, you know, where the homes start at, you know, 15 and 20 million. And yes, there's, there's some people who do super, super sealed work with breathing layers behind everything. And that notches it up mm-hmm. another 15, 20, 30%. But most will, to be competitive, they'll leave all of that out. It's like, you know, how many builders are doing full rain screens and full and using, you know, the, the Tyvex with the raised ridges. That costs five times more than regular Tyvex. And most people just think, oh, Tyvex, everything's going to be fine. Well, no, not if it clings to your non-breathing plywood or OSB and traps moisture over time and isn't exhaling properly because there's no circulation capacity. So, but even Tyvex gets it, you know, that's why they came out with this super version Mm -hmm. and commercial guys are forced to do it. In a lot of commercial construction, you have to show all your moisture mitigation techniques on your prints, but not on residential. (laughs) Some states are proposing that, you know, that this gets required. But again, you know, that challenges this whole affordability thing. And, you know, we were doing it on the tiny mini, you know, tiny homes because you had to. There, Everything, you know, was so enclosed. We had to get the moisture out. Even the MGO board couldn't keep up with the amount of moisture per square foot that happens inside of a tiny, um, you know, a tiny home. I mean, every person's giving off 400 BTUs per hour. And you put two or three people in that <laughs> tiny space and the refrigerator and the we're shower. I mean, it goes on and on. Right. No, they, they were okay, not I, safe. <laughs> I want two more, two, a couple more questions. Sure. There, when we spoke, when we spoke 11 years ago on its rainmaking time, at that time you had talked about the fact that there, are, there were 16 mines of uh, magnesium oxide. Yeah, massive amounts. Right, in MGO. Yeah. Now, is there more or the same or less? Uh, no, no. In America, we're, you know, we, we still haven't embraced the industry. Now, other countries have, Brazil and um, Peru and Nicaragua have all increased their MGO production because they okay. saw what was happening, you know, in China, building 75% of the world. But do we still have those 16 mines? Are we they sure still do. operating? And some of them are operating okay. on limited basis only for high-end markets, like the additives oh. for cosmetics. And uh, a couple of them are still doing uh, MGO for feed for um, animals. Uh, but none of them, uh, only in um, Calgary, Canada... There's one group, uh, Bay Mag, doing the cement grade 
MGO. And they're only bringing it to a, a certain phase where later you have to add your own reactors to it. So, and, you know, more power to them, at least they're doing it. <laughs> and, and, and they right. see the future. In other words, there's a whole lot of MGO-related things going on in Canada. And we're, we're, you, we only have one company in the U.S., you know, in Central California doing, you know, the non-structural v- version of MGO, you know, for like 20 bucks a sheet. And in a very, very limited way right now. Now, there's five plants being built just for the high-level, high-volume for commercial um, SIPs manufacturers and prefab home manufacturers. Those guys get it. They get the big lawsuits for mold. Well, whoever gets it for the prefab manufacturers, bravo. Yeah, yeah. People are buying them. And one group is doing it. People are buying them. Yes, yeah. There's a group out of uh, Florida, uh, Innova, that's doing 1,000 homes a month of MGO ships, right. right, where they just got rid of the particle board and the plywood on top. They're still using the bad, um, the semi-bad um, EPS foam. It's the least toxic of the foams, but it's still trapping moisture, but at least it can't mold anymore, you know, on the surface. But that foam will mold out in mm-hmm. 20, 30 years, but they know it too. Are prefab homes something you can treat? Oh, if people buy well, them. afterwards, it's, it's a little bit late. We can do it while the cavity is... What about before? The floors. Is being built? Well, most, most you know, okay. low-cost homes are on slabs. But again, the book has a real detailed protocol on the yeah. breathing slab. You know, how... Breathing walls. Breathing walls. Yes. Here we go. It goes. I, I have the pre-edition. Yeah, I'm showing that you had sent me the uh, pre-publication draft. Yeah, so 2008. You, yeah. And yes, we haven't come up yeah. with our final yet. I've been at that for years and years, and we will. But uh, it's still in the works. New new materials are coming out constantly. And I really don't want to advertise yeah. certain products too heavily until they're able yeah. to handle scale. Right now, they can't. So Understood. I'm just doing it for extremely... Okay chemically damaged people, you know, we just put them at the top, you know, this, this is a medical intervention. These are people who cannot uh, live otherwise. Of course. Right. Let's, I want to go back to the electromagnetic. Breathing. Environments yes. we're all living in. Hold one second uh-huh. on this. There is a material side of treating existing homes Devoid now of everything you've mentioned, mm-hmm. except not wanting uh, cell towers, Wi-Fi units coming in from neighbors to come in through the walls uh, and the the windows. Mm-hmm. So people are buying material, like when they sleep in their bed in their bedroom, they're putting material up on the ceiling, they're putting material on, on windows yes. to block the EMFs. Uh-huh. What do you think of that well, if somebody can't do your whole yes, thing? Yes, yes. And, right, the Y-Shield paint is, you know, close to $400 a gallon. Yes, it can block. Jeez. Yeah, and, you know, you have to use this flat copper tape and ground all the, you know, graphite and, um, you know, carbon that you ground it with that paint. <clears throat> and, yes, it does work. And it can be quite complex getting it grounded properly. But you can do it, and uh, yes. That's if you're talking at a paint level, but if you're not talking on a paint level and you're talking on just 
trying to block the EMFs coming in out like this mineral blend, from the neighbors. Yeah, yeah, we need to get behind your wall. I mean, that's where all the bad, really bad stuff is going on. And because of the fiberglass and the force-grown lumber and the drywall, all so it, it, it animates it. Is it, are you saying it animates yes. it? Yes, it, it amplifies okay. every negative thing. Amplifies is the right, right word. That's why we can't have steam heat in these buildings. They just they just rot out behind the wall. But yeah, but in lieu of you know knowing we're not going to fully rebuild with lath and plaster and all that. We can at least rebuild either with the MGO board or get these mineral balances behind the wall, get the fiberglass out, get that at minimum, get the rock wall. There's other good options with, you know, untreated um, wool and <clears throat> hemp insulation, but they're like, you know, 12 times price. So, you know, there's, there's real good stuff we can do now off the shelf that's cost competitive. It looks cost competitive okay. to the new <laughs> construction costs of the last three years. Uh, to go back to the 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 practical side of the EMF blocking, mm-hmm. if you can't get behind the walls, if you can't get behind the walls then, for everybody that's renting, yes, they're really anybody that's renting is in more danger. And people in in a large house because they're in smaller spaces. They got people right next to them, above them, below them, yeah, to the side of them, bad. all with Wi-Fi and cellular. And a lot of people are putting cell towers on top of buildings. Correct. I don't. Even yeah, the little there. ones, it's the so little five Gs. Yeah. So, going on so block. what do you think of these? What do you think of these? Well, the modification potential for people who rent and are living in this. Yeah, yeah. Having one room where you're sleeping, you know, protected in that way is a gigantic step forward. You know, fourth hour of deep sleep, the highest sensitivity of your entire 24 hours. You know, your antenna are up, you know, everywhere inside your body. So, yes, during that uh, deep sleep cycle, you need this type of protection. Uh, Unfortunately, most people, you know, don't ask for it until they're incredibly... So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you tell people? You get these, this Y-Shield paint, it's black carbon paint, and you have, you can repaint that with the Roma Bio, so it's got all the natural good looking colors afterwards. You'll have, and you ground that wall with this flat copper tape, you know, into a big grounding rod outside your building. You either run that under a carpet or you can run it on a solid surface floor with a protective tape over it. And uh, get the films on the window, lessemf.com, you know, has all the films. And, um, you know, do the best you can until you figured out a living situation where you can have a lot more control. Yeah. Okay. I think that's good. I think that's really, really helpful advice for people who are in condos, yes, townhouses, and apartment, traditional apartments. Yeah. What can you do? And, You're stuck. And don't tell I'm stuck with, you know, like even, even in, in houses, rental houses, oh, yeah. you're stuck with 
across the street, next door, the next door to the next door? Do they have their 5G or about to be 6G on 24-7 and Wi-Fi routers going? Yes. How about their smart meters on their house? Yeah. I had mine removed. Yeah, yeah, that's the best. But they do make little protective cages for them. That's all on that left thing. There's actually four or five really good. Okay websites and, and and see what we do with our consulting is before our first formal session, we do the first half hour or so, you know, with no cost. So we outline what we're going to do before that first one hour. We like to break it into at least three sessions, three to five sessions between mm-hmm. a half hour to an hour each. And we send out 70 links of the best of the best of these materials that I've all personally used all the way from the 80s, you know, I've been hoarding this stuff for a long, long time. And and their approximate costs and skill levels, you know, to put them in. And we try to, in that three hours, narrow down the list of what's going to be practical for their home. And it all comes down to getting out the most poison at the least cost and then, you know, whittling down the list. And it turns out we can get this massive bulk out of the uh, the frame, you know, relatively low cost. The entire building envelope okay. of a home, minus doors and windows, is typically 20 to 25% of the cost of the home, but 90% of the physical mass that's surrounding you and affecting your physiology. And so we do huge concentration on this building envelope. And then we do have lots of options for clean flooring, clean countertops, clean cabinetry, and all the clean finishes. So you can move in the day, you know, you finish these things. I, I, have, a, I have another well, last question, and then I really I want to wrap with you if there's anything else you'd like to talk about. In the traditional mind, people are going to buy wood from a Home Depot or they're going to buy wood from whatever company yeah. they're going to buy their wood if they're building. Yeah, Lowe's, if they're building. Uh, any of the big box or yeah. McCoy's. Yeah, kind of, you know, it's different in different states, but the lumber yard in general. Right. But if they're doing a lot of wood, if they're building their own home, mm-hmm. where, I mean, do, is the, all the wood that they buy have to be treated, correct? Uh, yes, but the low cost way to treat it is to do it when it's in place. That means, yeah, even if it rained the day they delivered it and they tilted up some walls, yeah. right? And, you know, yes, you're going to miss an inch and a half, you know, if you sheet at the outside first, which a lot of people do because it's oftentimes it's holding up the sticks or the sheets. And then you can spray it out. And uh, you just tape out the windows okay. and doors and let the overspray go onto the floor. It's only helpful. And ideally, we do that after the electrical and plumbing is in. Any surface that can hold moisture behind the wall, like pipes and plastic pipes, steel pipes and plastic Romex wire, all of it gets sprayed. Every surface gets enhanced. So I would imagine that's true under a crawl space as well. Oh, yes. Everything gets The whole caboodle. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's, it's exciting. I do want you to. I, I do want you to say a word. I want the public to know, in case uh, for their people that are listening to this that have not known that you knew Bucky Fuller very well and in your way, really sure. 
took on his yeah yeah no, his he, knowledge yeah. base exactly yeah talk called, about the trim tab i'd like you to bring up the trim tab again yeah and talk about buggy uh, bucky, Bu- bucky for um, a couple of minutes and and sure. because the most of the world doesn't know who he is i mean one of the great pioneers of yes of yeah yeah and the man who died with the most honorary doctorates of any man in world history kicked out of harvard twice you know three four bankruptcies absolutely perfect you know he he simply said until we solve this single family home thing you solve nothing if that isn't solved so he was talking about a comprehensive home that grew all its own food self-cleaned did all of it he prototyped all of this back in the 30s and 40s and they even built like 1500 prototypes with beach aircraft and he even put that company into bankruptcy because they wanted to build a cartoon version of his Maxian house that looked like it could do all these things and really didn't. Just enamored everybody after World War II with this wonderful kind of space age look. Well, everything in that had a function and they were willing to chop all of it off, get the form out there and he allowed disallowed any of that. He was serious. He said in 1948 dollars, it was going to take, you know, about eight billion 1948 dollars to tool properly to build one house. He predicted the internet, everything it would take to build competently with the best robotics and the best highest technology in the world. None of it existed then. It's all here now. We're still not doing it. So it's incredibly frustrating. He felt he was a failure when he died with 54 honorary doctors. He became a world. Isn't that sad? I know. He became a world. What a brilliant man. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's real, real sad. But, you know, hopefully he inspired a few people. And we will do it. You know, the planet doesn't have a choice. There's no way we're going to house all these people with the methods we have today. It can't be done. But he pointed out, even in the 40s, in the late 30s and early 40s, that even with just the best technology we had developed for airplanes and boats, we could, you know, get a huge momentum. So he was talking about a full world housing industry. He did get a huge grants from uh, the end of World War II, Operation Breakthrough, where there were massive grants to create prefab housing from the war machines that they had developed through the war. <laughs> Some of them were very sophisticated, you know, building the, the planes and the boats and the um, tanks. And it all sort of happened. Thousands of gorgeous prototypes were made, not only by him, but by Alcoa and, you know, big steel companies. They all came up with their gorgeous prototypes financed by the government to show how you could convert these uh, very sophisticated industries into prefab housing for the GIs coming back from the war. And um, none of them could succeed with the way we finance homes. You can't finance a factory and then have the interest rate on a mortgage go up two or three points in a year and keep your factory open. We destroyed those industries purposely. And yes, it created this massive waste industry of building one house at a time, absolutely not fulfilling the need for affordable housing or not even coming close. 
So yes, we will do this over time. We may have to crash completely as a culture to get there, to know we can't keep doing what we are doing. But the outline is there, and it's it's an incredible outline of how to build a home at one-tenth the cost with the best automation in the world that didn't even exist when he outlined it. It's all here. And we will do it. I am working with some wonderful prefab companies, some very, very large financing. Most of it's being done internationally. Places like Costa Rica and Guam, the American government's sponsoring an MGO factory for non-molding housing for the new military buildup we're going to do in Guam, which is going to be gigantic, by the way. Sounds exciting. Very yeah, exciting. Yeah, so it will happen, but, you know, in between, it's a lot of people being ill-housed or not housed at all. And it'll probably get a little bit worse because we have no, nothing in place now to take its place. Now, luckily, Europe has been refining everything related to prefab, primarily for the high-end market because, you know, homes are right. high-end in Europe, you know, period. <laughs> and yeah, in Berlin, you're on a 10-year waiting list to get a home and it's going to cost anywhere now seven to $900 a square foot. That used to be shocking, but we're seeing that happen in America, you know, where 300 to 400 is common. If three years ago, it was 100, 150, you know, for a custom home. So times have changed immensely. And what we're doing has no potential to perpetuate in its form. And people are preparing more on a global scale. You know, you see exactly where it's heading. And Foley gave us a full, full outline of it. Is there a particular book? Um, everybody will know about Breathing Walls now by George Swanson, Oram Miller, and Wayne Federer as an editor. Uh, is there a particular book by Bucky Fuller you would have people start well, with? Who yeah, no reference yeah, point? yeah, Ideas and Integrities, Nine Chains to the Moon, and No More Secondhand Gods are three of my very favorites. He had 19 books. They all became bestsellers after he died. And um, they're still, you know, being, you can get all of them on Amazon and um, incredibly insightful reading, you know, of, of attacking this thank you so single much. family home, <laughs> getting the job done. I want to thank you. Go on, thank really, you. really want to thank you for your life's work, your life's work and everything you're doing uh, to really medically intervene and to set up um, he uh, healthy homes and environments for people whether they have a lot of money or not, and remedies for what they're dealing with. And for those of you who would like to contact George Swanson, you can reach him at Swanson & Associates. Uh, his website is geo, G-E-O-S-W-A-N dot com. And how do they reach you uh, by phone? What is your business uh, line? Best line is just 512 9097 Fantastic. And for those of you who would like to see more It's Rainmaking Time specials, you can go to itsrainmakingtime.ch. I'm Kim Greenhouse. I love getting involved in breakthroughs and definitely um, breathing walls and building materials that are non-toxic, are extremely exciting. They're breakthroughs. They've been here a long time. We just haven't heard about most of it or even some of it for some of us. And for those of you who would like to sponsor any segments or shows, you can 
Reach us at ithrainmakingtime.ch or you can call 626-398-8652. And we really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. It's Rainmaking Time. Thanks, George. Thank you.